Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is on bilingual and multilingual families. I'm proud to live in a multilingual community, and yet I hear regularly parents' worries and concerns over raising children in bilingual and multilingual homes. I hope we can talk about language learning among young children, about language development, how the cognition and social-emotional aspects affect language learning. And I also want to talk about the extra questions and anxieties that multilingual families face. I have four fabulous guests with me today, all multilingual, and one speech therapist who can give us her professional perspective as well as her personal experience raising children with different language learning skills and different language learning interests. Welcome to Laura Basili, Michelle Fleischer, Eduardo Persichetti, and Avivet Ben Aharon, who is from greatspeech.com, and that is gr8speech.com. Thank you all for being here. Laura, you've waited a very long time for this podcast. Will you get us started? I think multiculturalism and bilingualism or multilingualism is a topic that you could probably have a podcast for all and of itself. Absolutely. So many combination. Are both parents bilingual or is one parent bilingual? Is the other monolingual? And in your house? In my house, we are multilingual. Um, both my husband and I speak English, both my husband and I speak Spanish, I am a native Italian speaker, but my husband does speak well, he speaks Italian very well, um, he also is a French speaker, and I'm a German speaker, so those are two languages that we don't speak, but, um, And how has all of that shaped... Um, these first four years in your family? So I have a four-year-old daughter and I have a 10-month-old son. We were inspired to each speak our native language to our children um, because we had an example. His cousin is married to a French woman, so his cousin speaks Spanish to the child, the wife speaks French to the child, and the child speaks all three languages perfectly. And so we knew we could do it, and it really encouraged us to do it, because between the two of us, we usually speak Spanish. Um, But it it was a very big, um, it's a big effort for me to speak in Italian to my daughter, because I am a native Italian speaker, but I'm also a native English speaker, and I was schooled in the United States. 
My mother is American. So my lullabies, my bedtime stories, everything that I know of childhood is in English. That's so interesting. Really I, I mean, that's powerful. <clears throat> this, the, the lullabies, the bedtime stories, all of those sweet, sweet bonding experiences. Right. So when I decided to go all Italian with my daughter, I'd have to pretty much make up my own songs and rhymes. I didn't really know how to rhyme in Italian. You know, I knew I know a few, but they're not fresh in my head okay. the and way so, they are in English. And one of the biggest issues for me was learning child language. So let's use our in the inside voices. Saying things like that. Saying those phrases. child-rearing cliches yes. to now translate those into another language. It does not work. In Italian, you sound like an idiot if you say, because even if you but again, language is context, it's social, it it's emotional, Absolutely. and that's so important because if you're speaking these lullabies or parenting cliches, let's call them that, um, attempting to do that in a different language, there's going to be this artificiality that is not going to connect with your child with the same power as the one that feels natural. Okay, I have a speech therapist nodding, and I have Eduardo saying, like, yeah, let's talk about those no, Italian I phrases. I just wanted to mention, it's curious that Laura was saying this, because I, for me, it's exactly the opposite case. I, I grew up in Italy, and I learned... Everything, so all of my childhood memories are exclusively Italian, and this includes, because Italy is particular like that, this includes everything like songs, and books, and, and, and music, and cartoons, and so I don't know anything in English, like nothing, you know, like some, some of the things are quite actually quite funny, but my wife, she's native English speaker, so she, you know, she provides all that, and uh, for me, I'm, I'm very happy to contribute like all the Italian lullabies and so proverbs. So you're still bringing them, but you feel like a little bit of the outsider in, <coughs> in your family? Um, well, I think we do 50-50. I mean, obviously, like, it's an English-speaking country we're living in, so I feel it would be more natural, you know, like, she will learn these things by herself. But uh, So I feel like I'm, I'm pulling my way to just provide some, some of the Italian in the family. Okay, so tell us how old Gaia is, and then tell us, like, how she's connecting to you and the Italian so far, because her language is just emerging right now. Yes, I, uh, Gaia is 13 months old, so, um, so far she says three words. <laughs> she says ball book and dog <laughs> and uh, that's what she says even when she actually points at a dog and instead is a ball or vice versa sure, sure. but but uh, yeah i think she's responding i mean this is interesting i think i also am very curious to hear from the speech therapist but i think uh, one thing i noticed that um it's italian tends to be a lot longer and every single word i can think of is at least two syllables and you know like Pretty much every single word I can think of in English is like one syllable, you know, like dog, ball, book, and, and black, and everything is just one syllable. So, but the poetry of it, the, the, that's yes. why we love learning those other languages. Yes. I mean, yes, but, but what I'm noticing is that she will struggle a little bit more to learn Italian words just because they are longer and more Okay, I have one more question, then I'm going to pass it on to Avivi. Yeah. But So what do you see in her eyes? when you're sharing or, or in her body language when you're or her understanding or recognition when you're speaking to her in the sweetness from your Italian youth? Well, I think, you know, I think she enjoys it. Um, for a number of things, we are together and we do them in Italian. So I remember, you know, like singing plenty of lullabies to her for, for going back to sleep. And uh, that's something that I think is very soothing and very 
uh, you know, very fitting in Italian, for example. I, you know, she enjoyed that. She slept, so must have worked. It worked. She slept. Yeah. <laughs> Better than English. <laughs> the longer syllables helped with the delay. They, they, they do. I mean, they, yeah, it's, as I was saying, like a lot of things in English sounds really strange to me. Lullabies in English, kids' things in English, stories in English. <laughs> Disney cartoons in English, everything sounds very out of place to me, but it's just, yeah, I think she's responding well. I expect her to take a little bit longer and to start, like, familiarizing with, especially with the Italian words, but I hope that eventually, you know, she'll... So, and, and there's there's certainly many issues on that. Right. I am just so interested to hear what you guys have to say because oftentimes as a speech therapist, parents, I, I guide parents in letting them know that ideally that's how we want to see. We want to see one parent speaking their native language and the other parent speaking their na- native language. And it's it's not always this the case and it's really so fascinating that you guys are intuitively doing this. Um, and I think the reason she's connecting to Italian is because you are connecting to Italian and it's something that comforts brings a lot of comfort and good memories to you so she's naturally going to be gravitating towards it because that's something that you feel very comfortable with um, and yes English is in some ways a little easier than a lot of other languages so it makes sense that she's gravitating towards English rather than other languages but it, I think you're totally on the right path in introducing her to mm-hmm. Italian um, I, I think wow your house sounds incredible with all these languages I can just <laughs> imagine um, but I think more than anything, it's so important to remember that it's not just about language. It's how you feel about the language. So if you feel comfortable doing the Eric Carls, you know, the very hungry caterpillar a hundred times, that's great because that's what you're feeling comfortable and that's what your kid is going to sense. So one dilemma I have, for example, when I'm reading to her, because I don't have as many books in Italian as I do in English, mm-hmm. is do I translate that book and just come up with things myself? Or do I read it in English? And what I've resolved to do so far, unless it's Mother Goose or Cat in the Hat, Mm -hmm. Dr. Seuss, I do not translate. Nursery rhymes, I do not translate. Those, I think, give you the rhythm of English, and those I say in English. But with Very Hungry Caterpillar, I start out with... C'era un piccolo ovetto su una foglia e quando la luna... (laughs) And I just do that. Absolutely. Although I will say I'm always afraid that I don't pull out as much vocabulary as uh, in print. So I always try to get my father to bring me books in Italian or I buy books in Italian. And then I discover, ooh, there's a lot of Italian words that I don't even know. Because as I said, my schooling was all in America. But it's even true in English literature for young children. It's wonderful when you find a book that says... Of course I should be using this word with with a toddler, even though it's not part of our normal vocabulary. It's just part of that language-rich experience that says, I can give you six million words by the time you start school. And so we want that richness that doesn't just come from natural conversation or toddleries. I find myself translating old English books Absolutely. usually, and after I've done it a few times, I know exactly, like, I, I see these English words and I know exactly what I'm going to say, mm-hmm. and that these are the books, you know. I love it. Now, I have two big I, questions. I've sure. got, I've got, you've got to answer the delay question, because, of course, Eduardo's put that up, and Laura's shaking her head. It's a myth. It's not true. Um, that's what everyone says. Bilingual, multilingual children will have delayed language. And and then and so I want you to answer that. And then you also said the idea of English being easier than other languages. So we've got you speaking Hebrew, and we've got Michelle here with Russian. So we've got the whole idea of different alphabets and 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 just 
I don't know if those are the most, they aren't the most extreme differences, but certainly more than some of the romantic right. languages. So the delay, um, I can share with you from my own personal experience. I have four boys. Each one is learned, you know, my oldest is, as much as he was exposed to Hebrew and English growing up, he's really a monolingual child, but he does enjoy now as he's getting older, um, experiencing more Hebrew. So when we travel to Israel, he's the first one who wants to speak in Hebrew. But when he was growing up, he had no interest in really acquiring that as a second language. And then I have another son who was more interested in, in acquiring second language of Hebrew as a second language. So it's not, I think what I'm trying to say is I have four kids and they all develop languages at different time, different stages, different um affinity to learning Hebrew and some were more successful and some were not. My third and my fourth also have Spanish now so they're exposed to Spanish so it's interesting to see that my my, my bilingual home became now a trilingual home and they're they're experiencing with that and they all understand a lot more but I don't necessarily think that they're going to be speakers of uh, Spanish. So, so I just want to put it out there for all of the parents with questions, anxiety, um, regrets, fear, Really? As a professional, you could not create no. the perfect conditions for optimal multi... You know, you couldn't control that? I, I could not control that, no. And the truth is what I was trying to do, and I'm still doing that with my kids, is really make sure that they're developing a language that they're, they're comfortable communicating in. And whether it's English or Hebrew, I kind of let them make that choice as much as I expose them to both languages and then three languages and left it to them to, to pick. And it turns out that my kids didn't necessarily develop language at exactly the right time, if there is such a thing. I have to tell you more and more, I realize there are milestones, but then there are so many different variations, variations on those milestones that you can't stick to them too much. You really have to think outside the box and say, okay, so my child is not necessarily saying 20 words by 18 months, but he's saying 15 words. So it's already on the right track and it's okay. Um, so I think that's really the experience of Progress, parenting. recognition, Progress, understanding. Flexibility, yes, flexibility yeah. and, and really looking at each child individually. You have a boy and you have a girl, and it's going to be fascinating for you to see the language acquisition between the boy and the girl. Um, and, you know, statistically speaking, and the books always say that the girls speak sooner, faster, more articulate. In most cases, it's true, um, but not always. So it's just interesting to see the milestones and how everybody is just developing their skill. Well, I think it's really refreshing that you would say that because I do think kids can have a speech delay when they are exposed to different languages, but I don't care. Right. Put it this way, like right. my son what are you had do speech about therapy. It? I mean, yeah. My son had speech therapy. Right. I spoke to him in Spanish. So I have three kids and my oldest, Bennett, he um he definitely was pointing and just making like the word buh 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 was everything for a lot longer than my two girls. Right. Who are younger than him now like if we're comparing mm -hmm, kids they course. definitely learn at different times and different ways and and i spoke to bennett in spanish my husband's russian he speaks to them in russian and my in-laws my father-in-law was alive at the time so both my in-laws would speak to him exclusively in russian and he would choose whatever word was easiest for him to like pull at that mm -hmm. moment in each language so water was agua um, what is it was stoita. So like he would point and say stoita. Well, he would say doita, doita, doita. And like that was his way. Sure. What is it? What is it? He was actually asking, what is this word? How do you say this? Right. And I had to give him speech therapy. And I, I did have a couple of therapists say, maybe you should stick to one language. And to be honest with you, I ignored it because I'm like, if I don't 
use this time that is so valuable sure. and they're so plastic at this moment, then I'm, I'm going to lose it. So, and the other thing I would point out is it's a roller coaster. It goes up and down. Mm-hmm. So once Absolutely. he started the twos and he became very verbal, he stopped wanting to speak anything but English. Mm-hmm. And we just kept going and going. So my kids go to Russian school on Saturdays and um, for a couple hours on Mondays. And what was really incredible is he at first... It was a confidence thing. He didn't want to speak Russian because everyone else spoke it better than him. He didn't want to practice. He didn't know why he was going to Russian school. None of my other friends go to Russian school. Yada da da da. And then I was like, "We're not giving up on this. This is a non-negotiable." He started to speak Russian, and he started to become friends with other kids. And he realized the more languages I know the more friends I can have. So because he likes to speak Russian now, he loves to speak Spanish. Now when we go places, if he hears someone speaking in Spanish, he says, oh, hola, como estas? Hablo español. And he starts introducing himself and speaking to them in Spanish because we went to the Dominican Republic this summer and he realized if I don't speak Spanish to these kids, guess what? I'm not playing with these kids. They're not going to play with me. They don't understand English. I'm in their country. And there were these other kids by the pool who only spoke French. And he was like, Mommy, why don't they want to play with me? I'm like, buddy, they only speak French. You know, and he was really like, well, when am I going to learn how to speak French? French, why not? I was like, oh, that one's not part of my repertoire. That's great. What a really fabulous. That sounds amazing. And good for him that he discovered that, yes, friends Mm -hmm. equals, language equals friends. Yeah, I just wanted to cue in because I think you mentioned, you know, being abroad and then being immersed in another language. And I find that perhaps this is the most important thing. Um, and you know Gaia is, is only very little but we've been in Italy already this summer and we've been there for two months and it was you know it was enlightening for us to see you know you know we were there for two months and you know after months of story time in English and stories in English and book in English and friends in English suddenly we were in, we going to like story time in Italian with other moms and dads in Italian and doing all these things in Italian and I can see how this really influences and you know like of course she was you know 10 months back then but you know next year we're going back again and of course, she's going to have to speak Italian when well, she's, she's there. Gonna learn. And, Full know, immersion she's is the best, the best way to yeah. learn. Well, yeah. And the parents, right? Yeah. My, my and we've done it here, whether just in the Hebrew class or in a Spanish class. Or many years ago, I remember doing just an afternoon playground time in Spanish. And children who were monolingual, in one hour, within two weeks, after of being a complete immersion in context, in interactions, out of necessity, they were the, the Spanish was then seeping into the rest of their day. Absolutely. So the immersion works. Um, and if you can't make and how true is it if you if each person doesn't have a, a, a la- one language that they're speaking with the child that there be like some other defining context like we do lunch in a certain language or you know we do you know so that there. There is some boundaries around what delineates this language from the other languages that we're speaking. And then experiencing. It's the experiential Because it's not just about the language. You are really connecting to the culture. Um, You know, my husband's Russian, and I don't speak Russian. Like I told Karen, I can only curse you out and tell you a lullaby. That's like, what about, like, as much as I've learned, I can curse you out and put you to bed. But not that I'm cursing the kids out, but I know when my husband's saying something nasty. So at least I'm, I'm far enough there. But I'm the one who drives them to Russian school. I'm the one who goes to their orientation. I'm the one who insists on more and more classes because 
I can't give that to them. So if I don't have the control, I don't have the language, the best I can do is bring them to school so they can learn and they have the experience. And what I love is they have their holidays and they teach them about that. So just... I tell my husband, it's important my kids know that they're Jewish. So they go to Hebrew school and they're going to uh, Jewish day school. And that's why my son is going to Hebrew school now on Sundays because that's so much a part of me. And speaking Spanish and going to um, Spanish-speaking countries is such a big thing. It's a cultural thing. It's warmth and love and and fun and staying up late. And it's a totally different way of being than when you're in the United States. And they're getting to learn and experience. And hopefully that will really, like, go into... I mean, their whole being and how they grow up. I've seen this. I mean, I, I, we had some good friends in New Zealand when we were living there, you know, multilingual couple. And, you know, their daughters, they had a few years apart. And, you know, the older one, she had lived in Italy, say, until she was three before moving to New Zealand. And, the, you know, the, the younger one was born in New Zealand. So they both spoke Italian very well. But one was really, really native. Mm-hmm. And the, the younger one somehow was missing that connection because she hadn't actually ever lived there. She just grew up. But I could see the difference just between the siblings because... Because there was this difference in the immersion. I also think, though, that we've had such positive experiences because we live in South Florida. <laughs> I always speak to Olivia, and I guess now Tom. Actually, I don't speak to Thomas as much as I should in Italian. <laughs> but I always speak to her in Italian. A lot of times, you know, people will ask me, are you speaking Spanish? And I said, no, it's Italian. The reaction I get is very different in South Florida than when I'm visiting up in Tennessee. Well, let's go right to Eduardo. Eduardo just came from South Dakota. (laughs) I was going to say that I think what's interesting is that we as a a society are becoming more open to to hearing accents and accepting accents. And And, and, uh, just say something about accents. I mean, can we talk about that as as something that isn't supposed to be dismissed or fixed or... um, There are TV shows now where the main character has an accent and it's totally acceptable and adoring people, you know, she she won an Emmy, Sofia Vergara. So yeah. I, I'm just thinking that at the end you of the day, but again, the ju- of course, of course. <laughs> but you know what? It serves it serves a great purpose in large because it allows people to feel more comfortable around different cultures and around accepting and and encouraging people. So even for a kid, it becomes less of a stigma. I think when we were growing up, it was more of a stigma that you try to blend in and become more American. And today, everybody's trying to sort of become their own individual. Well, I don't self. know if I want to go here, but I will. Uh, and then I and then I, and I, well, let's go to what the, my question before. I want to go to sure, South Dakota, sure, and sure. I want to go to any <laughs> reactions <laughs> that you had in terms of being multilingual in South Dakota, what that immediate experience was. And then the other question is, you know, is there, does anybody run into that prejudice that everybody in America should be speaking English um, in the sense, so your children are multilingual, so you've got that, but, you know, whether you're bringing a heritage or prejudices in other ways. Can I go there first? Sure, but (laughs) but I want to hear about South Dakota too. I think you experience it very differently as an adult than as a child. But I remember I was in Olivia's classroom. She had just started the twos. And I was speaking to her only in Italian. And she was sitting next to a little boy who started to make fun of the way I was saying chocolate. And Olivia that day said to me, 
can we speak in English? And I said, I'm sorry, honey, I don't speak English. I'm so sorry, but I don't speak English. So interesting. But I, I saw her experience that. A self-consciousness. A self-consciousness yeah. at just barely two years old. And you that's know? it's kind of astounding that he would have that perception. I mean, I could imagine him trying to process. Right. I don't know, how did you say chocolate? Chocolate. Chocolato. <laughs> so, I mean, so that he's trying to think, is that a word I know? Is it a word I don't know? And right. so it's coming out in a judgy way, even though it's him trying to figure out what just happened. And it wasn't that she said it. It was that you said it. So he took whatever you said, and she took it on herself as if it was something that she should be fixing. It was incredible, that experience. But again, even if incredible. it was benign, there is that whole subcontext of, am I different? Is it okay to be different? Um, will people laugh at me? Um, and is it just funny? I mean, how often do grown-up friends laugh at other grown-up friends for accents and phrases? Maybe. Like those, when my those political incorrect friends that my, wouldn't my be here. My father one time called one person we know a peasant. <laughs> he was a person who works in the country and has cows and he said, oh yes, he's a peasant. <laughs> Again, lang- lang- context dependent. I do this yeah. all the time, it's okay. Okay, so, so now prejudice, um, No, I think, I think it's important um, to have exposure to a multilingual society, it's just so vital. I mean, I've seen it, as you were saying, because I've lived two years in South Dakota and, and it's kind of crazy, I mean, really, it's, it's isolating, um, just even like geographically, it's like isolated. I mean, not only people are monolingual 90% they're also monostate I think like many of them like I had these students like they never left say South Dakota like sure, sure. born and bred you know and mm-hmm. it's crazy like I've had my dean come to me say you know like some of the students mentioned you have quite an accent and they don't they're not understanding your lectures like, are you crazy and you know I'm a math teacher so I think my accent is the least of the problems in my lectures so but, <laughs> but okay but, there, but that's, that's a this. phenomenal question because we get it here at B'nai Tara. What about those Spanish-speaking teachers? What about those Israeli teachers? Should I be concerned if my child, who is an English speaker, has exposure to someone whose English isn't perfect? People also ask it in terms of nannies and caregivers. That's crazy, right? Yes, I mean, so my, my husband's brother, my brother-in-law and his wife, have a little girl who just started school, and it is predominantly Indian. Like... It's Indian run, Indian owned, and it's one of the better schools. But they don't, I mean, they're sending them to a good school, so they don't care. But they're joking, like, oh, my daughter's going to speak English with an Indian accent and we're Russian, you know? <laughs> so, like, they're, like, but it's almost like a like a joke, like they're saying. I, I think, you know, we've become more globalized, homogenized, however you want to say it. Well, we hope that's what this podcast will encourage, um, is that acceptance. Um, But again, should, just, I want a professional response to, is there some risk to be, especially for young children in language acquisition stages, being exposed to less perfect native speakers? if there's a risk I wouldn't necessarily go that route I would say there's a possibility that they're going to acquire language that you know at the beginning when they're phrasing sentences they're imitating initially when you learn a language you're imitating so by definition if your main exposure is is English that is grammatically incorrect or with a very very different kind of an accent then it could impact the way the child acquires the language but it's not to say that that can't be remediated or adjusted for and, and again kids are exposed so much by TVs and, and the media that 
I think whatever they hear at school and class is offset by whatever they're hearing on Bob the Builder and the other okay. shows. And so I don't know that you could say one way or the other, but it's true. The kids do imitate. Thank you. And, and that because I wanted to just say, no, get over it. <laughs> but what you pointed out is, yes, of course they're going to come home with right, the yeah. accents. Of course they're going to come home with, with different kinds of sure. phrasing. But the bottom line is the richness of those experiences, mm-hmm. of those personalities, because sh- you're never just sharing language. You're sharing yourself and you're sharing the culture. Exactly. And so if you're doing that, but again, college students, but I could hear it. This I mean, is as crazy. Someone, yeah. I, I, could I, hear was, the, I could hear the complaints. Yes, <laughs> I, I was completely taken aback by this I mean, so but this was you know this is this is a problem and I thought you know like for Gaia as well for for her would it not have been a good place to grow up because she would have found just barriers in this kind of sense you know she's right. trying to grow up multilingual and nobody connects with her and this we still have to find her someone to speak Italian we locally, do. but we'll we work will. on that that's easy <laughs> Olivia we're, 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 we're making a match we're here yes practice, <laughs> Thomas is closer in age yeah I have been a bad parent I have not spoken to Poor Thomas, as much in Italian. It's because he's number two. Mm-hmm. It's because I'm exhausted, and it takes more brain power. It, it does. does. It so does. Much Absolutely. More brain power. Absolutely. So I want to tell you guys a very intimate story. Putting it out on the <laughs> podcast. Confess it. Go ahead. Confess it. Uh, Olivia had some temper tantrum problems, and she was. I was having a really hard time with her. She was having a really hard time with herself, with me. I decided to go see a therapist. First thing the therapist says to me is, I think she's overloaded. I think her brain is overloaded because of the amount of languages she is learning all at the same time. This was a bilingual therapist. The first reaction I said, let's get out of here right now. This woman doesn't know what she's talking about. I am so offended by what she just said. This is just absolutely terrible advice. And then I thought about it. I said, you know... When I'm really tired, I can't even speak Italian. It overloads my brain. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's what's going on with this little girl. I, I absolutely, I'm glad you brought up, because I wrote this on my little pad here when Avivit was speaking about your one son saying, right. I have no interest, right. that there is this emotional reaction mm-hmm. to expectations about what you want your children to speak in a context. And also positive reinforcement, because somewhere along the line, your son learned to connect learning languages with something very positive and a positive experience, and you see how that really It took till he was almost four to get there, so you have to be patient, Trend, because right, like absolutely. I said, it's a roller coaster. It absolutely. goes up and down and up and down. Right. So my second spoke mostly Spanish, and now, you know, she's showing some auditory processing issues, and her Spanish is not great anymore. And I know she understands me, but she can't pull the word sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're doing intense OT, which is really helping her out. But I started to think, too, well, you know, she doesn't always get the words in English, too, so am I expecting too much when she doesn't get it? And just like Bennett needed speech therapy and then afterwards he was now he's I mean he's so verbal in all languages I mean his vocabulary is excellent in English and I'm, I'm so impressed by him but it took a while to get there so it's just having the patience because 
with kids, you know, it's kind of like their growth spurts, I think, with their brain. You know, like how your kid will get really chubby and then they like lean out all of a sudden and they get chubby again and they lean out. I think it's kind of the same way with the brain. brain. I mean, equilibrium, disequilibrium, equilibrium. But it's, and this is where I love the conversation because when I get the questions about raising bilingual or multilingual children, it's usually straight up developmental questions. My child is in resistance mode. My child's in a power struggle with me. You know, it's, it's, all the conventional things that that are happening in language acquisition all over the place or just the struggle like older sibling talking for a younger sibling you know there's or parent trying to take the shortcut rather than taking the pause rather than taking the time to put the sweetness with the language well i think you know it's uh, connecting to what michelle was saying i think it's important to plant the seed and then just kind of nurture it, you know, immersing it in the culture. You know, we'll go back to Italy every summer, visit the grandpa, you know, like kind of, you know, water it and then it will grow eventually. And I'm not worried if she starts speaking later, if she, you know, doesn't speak Italian for a while, then maybe she'll speak later. And she, if she wants to, and she, she's going to want to, right, if, if you nurture it. Uh, otherwise, she's, she's not going to do it. And or you can just have more kids and then they just teach each other. Right. Because that would be great. <laughs> well, that's why I'm saying that <laughs> Olivia has to be teaching Thomas some of the right. Italian. Right. Because it's also something that she knows that he doesn't know. And so, you know, she could use it for all kinds of right. purposes. Language is a tool. It's a weapon. It's, a, you know, it's poetry. It's everything. But And siblings are so, so, so important and valuable in helping raise your kids and I, I have to say my kids are very spread out. Tell everyone how old your children. My are. my oldest is sixteen. I have a thirteen year old, a nine year old, and then I have one who's turning two. He's not even two yet. Wow. And I have to say that the dynamic in the family and depending on where my kids are in their birth birth order really changed and impacted their personalities and their development. So I can already tell that my two year old, my almost two year old is so much more advanced than my other ones but in so many ways just because of the exposure so don't ever feel guilty that you're not doing enough with number two because number one got more but number two now has your daughter and then if you have more than that's how it's going to be but it's not so much about you it's about the experiences you're giving that child in relation to the family and I think that's huge and you know I, I really I hear that a lot from moms but I feel guilty I don't have the time and I'm busy and I'm rushing and I don't get to sit and do the way I did with my first you know what Yes. But I had to get one thing I learned, I had to give myself a break and I had to give myself a pass. When I noticed that I'm getting overwhelmed mm-hmm. in Italian mm-hmm. because it's I'm making dinner, sure. Thomas is trying to get under the stove, Olivia's coloring markers on the table, whatever it is, and I'm going into this reaction mode. Sure. Yeah. I give myself a pass sure. and I say, I'm switching to English. Because I know I can be calmer. Right. In it's English. the Italian in you getting calmer. Right. 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 My wife jokes when I speak to my mom on the phone, like, you guys arguing, like, no, she's just talking. But it's just a normal express, expressivity. My aunt, my dad, and I were all in the same household just last month, and Olivia kept asking the question, why are you guys fighting? We're not fighting. We're just talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Which, which brings us full circle. And that is this idea that we want to raise children who are smart, capable, interesting, global, all of this stuff. And that's all wonderful. But if it's not connected to who mm-hmm. we are, to what matters to us. And what works it, for the child. And what works for the child, you may not... 
it may not be worth all of that effort because what happens is teaching them Italian at any cost and that I have to be the language that, that Italian speaker and I have to do this, it just makes, it creates the wedge rather than the joy. Exactly. So it, and I love where this podcast began because it started, which I just never even imagined, with, with the lullabies and stories and, and, the, and, and the parenting cliches. Because and the cursing. I think, and the cursing. Yeah. 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 That's which is real, so much richer in all languages. That's the real yeah. stuff of language. That's yeah. why we speak, right. is to communicate and connect. Absolutely. So I'm going to go to our wrap-up. I hate to cut it short. We could come back and do this again <laughs> with lots more questions. But how have you got this for right here, for right now, raising bilingual, multilingual children? I am at the beginning, so I hope I'm on the right track. Um, I am happy because it's no effort for me to speak it- Italian and it's no effort for my wife to speak English. So we're kind of parallel lines and I hope you know she will benefit from this. And um, we'll just keep visiting, we'll just keep immersing her in the culture. We'll want to make her want to learn it and I hope you know this is going to work out. Beautiful. I love it. Laura? I've got this because failure is not an option. If she doesn't speak Italian... <gasps> it sounds like so much pressure. <laughs> it's not an option. If I have to drag her to Italy for two months and stick her in an Italian summer camp, I will do that. Do that. I can Laura has a different parenting read. style than Eduardo. <laughs> <laughs> if I read to her every night five books in Italian, I will do it. Uh, you know, if it means getting more sleep so that I can be a nicer, gentler person and speak Italian more, I will do that. Whatever it takes, because... I cannot have her not connected to my roots. And although my roots are also in America, it's they're so heavily in Italy too. And I need her to be able to talk to her cousins. Mm-hmm. And if she can't talk to her cousins, then she'll lose that connection and, and that would break my heart. And what I love is is how deep your roots are that, that makes you feel that way. And no, that's so it's something that you, it would be terrible to lose for you. And I've also got it because I've given myself a break. Yay! And said, you know, if at 6 o'clock at night I don't speak Italian anymore, that's okay, too. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I think maybe you can stop by 3. <laughs> that's Before the bewitching. <laughs> You're doing better than me already. I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, man, I went all day and I forgot to speak to them in Spanish because I was too busy yelling in English. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reality. That's I was going to say, that's the language the mommy's yelling. <laughs> yes, yes, because I can articulate real quick. You know? <laughs> yeah, in, 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 in English. But... Um, I actually would piggyback off of what Laura said because I feel like it is imperative that they connect to the culture. And I feel just as strongly about it in Spanish as I do in Russian because I love Emil's family so much. And when we go to um, California, they, oh my God, they are like the Latins of Russians. They are loud. They (laughs) are fighting and kissing and loving and fighting and eat more and eat more and you have to stuff yourself and it's not enough and the grandmother's putting her finger in my food and I love it. I love it because like it reminds me of so much of like what I grew up with too um, you know living in Colombia and I think it's so important and and I see certain family members that don't do that and I see the disconnect and I'm not going to lie to you when I um when I see a Spanish, like a person that's Latin, 
and they don't speak Spanish, I always think, oh, what a disservice your parents did. And that motivates me because I don't want to be that parent. I don't, I, sorry if I offended anybody. That's not what I'm trying to do. But it's so important to me that they speak yeah. these languages. Yeah. I think we've all, we've all seen this. Kind of, I've seen this too. I've seen Italian parents, uh, multilingual, and the, the kids spoke no Italian at all. And I thought, mm-hmm. what a shame. Yeah. What a shame, what a waste. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, the stories you lose are, yeah. well, are irreplaceable. That's the Jewish guilt, like getting wrapped up in the <laughs> language <laughs> It's multicultural, too. (laughs) And I think just we always have to look at the child, where the child is, meet the child where the child is. So, yes, we always set the expectation. We want to introduce, we want to immerse them, but we also have to look at the child, and it's not for every kid. And if it's not at this stage of the game, it's not to say that as the kids get older, they don't go themselves to these countries and visit and immerse themselves. And somewhere it's going to trigger, oh, my mom used to say that, and it's going to bring the language out. Um, so I think we just as parents have to remember that, that kids are kids and we want to make sure that we meet them where they are also. I love it. Thank you also very much. Okay, so we turned the microphone back on because after the podcast, everybody started talking about favorite rhymes and bedtime stories that they were telling their children. So I just love this. Here we go. And all these rhymes are coming out in different languages. So Michelle, take it away. Well, there's a rhyme in Spanish that's Sana que sana, culito de rana, si no sana hoy, sana mañana. And we were talking about how these things translate, which means like, get better, get better, or heal, heal. Culito de rana means like, ass of a frog. Which Laura thought meant tail. But, yeah, well, but she said, she thought it was colita. My version. And I'm like, that's the clean version. There's def- sana que sana, colita de rana, si no sana hoy, sana rama. And I said... The frog doesn't have a tail, so your mom taught you, or your somebody, your husband My taught you, <laughs> taught you the clean version, or we have like the non-explicit version. But, but isn't it true? It's not supposed to make sense. It no, it doesn't make, make sense. sense. That's the whole if point. If it doesn't get better today, it'll get better tomorrow. And when. Viviana, my littlest one, gets a boo-boo. Mila will go up to her and say, Oh, sana que sana culito de rana. And she doesn't even know what she's saying. She just knows it's supposed to make her feel better. I just need the sound, right? Just right. how it sounds. It. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's perfect because and because that's the emotion that's contained mm-hmm. in the context, in the pragmatics of the language. Okay. All right, take it away. No, I just, you know, I just sing this lullaby that is very traditional in Italy. It says, Nina nana, nina o, questa bimba, chi la do? And it's like, Nina nana, nina o means nothing. It's like a Sleepy, sleepy. I mean, it's just like a soothing thing. But then, you know, traditionally in the rhyme, it's like you give this this little girl to I don't know the, the, the scary black man, and he will keep her for a month or something. Or you truly, know, be, yeah, yeah, la well, la 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 yeah, and I've got these two rhymes. Like, this is the two rhymes I remember. So after I started making my own, I was like, okay, well, they're all almost blue. And I give it to the blue man. I love that. politically incorrect, especially in America. Especially <laughs> but it's like Ring Around the Rosie. <laughs> right. I mean, right. being from the bubonic plague. Right. I mean, everything yeah, that has bizarre. roots comes Emil from someplace. Emil hates when the girl sings hang, or sing Ring Around the Rosie. He's like... Do you know what it means? I go, I mean, you say this every time they sing this. Like, they don't know what it means. They and just, I'm not yeah. sure that piggies should eat tofu. Right, you know, yeah. they should eat roast beef. You know? <laughs> it's just, you know, we modernize the versions. But, yeah. Um, you know, so do you have something inappropriate, Laura? In, in, in Italian, too. Is there? Yeah. Do you have an, Do you have a rhyme or something to share with us, Laura? The rhyme, the, the Italian rhyme that I never like to teach it to. So you didn't. You didn't do it. No, because I think it's so scary. It's horrible. <laughs> I, I mean, anything that... I can't think of anything right now. Like oh, you don't. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> 
So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to The Front and The Follow for the song Listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.